Today's episode is called Being Stuff. So I'll admit, trying to start out this podcast today talking about me has been a bit challenging already. I mean, like, it's always difficult talking about yourself. We're so used to talking about other things or other people, but when it comes to being put on the spot to describe who you are as a person, maybe your story, makes you hesitant a bit. And it's really, really a lot because we didn't grow up that way. Not allowed to talk about ourselves. Who are you to say these things and, you know, list off some accomplishments or some lessons along the way. But I'll give it my best shot today. Uh, Today, we're just going to go over some stuff about me, like who I am as a person, why you should be listening to this podcast at all, and why this notion of plan B, as in B-E. What is it about? How did I come to that? What, why is it important? Why is it the whole premise of this entire podcast? I'll talk a bit about my story. And as we're going through this journey through other episodes, you'll get to know more and more about me um, through some of my lived experiences. And really, finally, getting to the nitty gritty about what's a people pleaser? You know, this is how we end up losing ourselves in the process of life you know instead of following our true passions and deep desires within we follow plan a according to someone else's plan they've created for us because we just don't want to rock the boat you know we want to be accepted and approved by our parents society you know our loved ones other peers and that's really the whole idea around that So we'll dive into all of those things today and really I hope by the end of this episode you get to know me a bit better and why you should join me on this journey. So a little bit about me. I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. I'm a second generation Canadian. Uh, My parents were born in the Philippines and immigrated here in the 70s and um, I grew up in an area that wasn't the safest. Um, it's not well known to be a higher income area. It's more of a lower income. A lot of uh, immigrants or people who have a lower income bracket. So I grew up around a lot of diversity, so to say. And um, it was actually quite nice. Uh, growing up in school, we didn't really know the difference between each other in terms of color. We hung out with everybody. Everyone really got along. And, um, you know, there's some few oddballs that happened um, to be in the class, but it's not, it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But what was nice is that we were united as a group, um, not because of the color of our skin or our cultural background, but we kind of had a group where we adopted a lot of different aspects of ourselves and cultural belief systems. Um, in addition to um, the Canadian way. So growing up my whole life in terms of that part, it was hard to straddle both worlds. You know, it's like uh, living in between two different types of cultures, the Canadian culture um, and like what is it like to be Canadian enough and how to navigate this society and, and just being here. 
and then coming home and then juggling what is it like to be Filipino? What does it mean to be Filipino enough? And it, you'll hear more about my journey with that and, and trying to discover my ancestry and my and my roots. Um, but it was tough because a lot of my peers in class growing up also had the same thing growing on, like their parents immigrated from somewhere. So they're trying to integrate these two different cultures, which is why it's so beautiful that when we did come together as a group, we adopted a lot of our different cultural beliefs and practices and food and and you know it was just really great we didn't have to worry about being different we felt like we belonged with each other but um with that too coming in as a second generation canadian i was raised that hard work was the most important thing it was so important to work hard with your grades at school, being busy, doing other stuff, and then eventually having multiple jobs. So living in a second, as a second generation Canadian, it's not uncommon that our parents have multiple jobs just to carry things along. You know, whatever qualifications they had back home may not have translated when they came over here. So a lot of people, especially like me, had parents that were gone a lot of the time because they had more than one job. And we didn't really have um, a parental figure physically around often. So um, it really taught me how to um, <clears throat> work multiple jobs. And that was what was glorified when I was growing up. I was taught that working was the most important thing. It didn't even matter. Like money, income, important. But the fact of the act of working hard and having multiple jobs was of great importance. I, I started working at 15 and I was pushed hard to work throughout the whole time. But like I was just a workhorse while I was in school. And then I had to figure a way to pay out my my university on my own um, after I got a ton of debt racked up. But um, it always felt like I had multiple jobs because I was in school full time and then working almost full time hours, just trying to stay afloat and um, still accumulating a lot of debt. It's really expensive back then to go to school and work at the same time. So there weren't many opportunities for me uh, in in school and university because of the fact that I had to work. And I was really conditioned that it was so important. You know, when, when my family would call and check in on me, they'd be like, hey, staff. First, I was like, hello, staff. Are you working? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not feeling well. I'm, I'm sick. Like, you know, sometimes that, that could happen. And then it'd be like, oh, my gosh, isn't your boss going to get mad at you? for taking time off. And then maybe one, two, five times you hear something like that, you know, you're just like, oh, whatever, you know, you can scoff at it. But when it becomes 10, 20, 50, 100 times yearly, it's, it really gets ingrained into you. The feelings since you've had, since you grew up, 
when 99% wasn't good enough in your class because someone else would have had 100. And then coming in as an adult and you're like, you're not working hard enough. Two jobs, huh, I have three. It makes you feel inadequate and whatever you're doing is never enough. And that was really how I grew up, really feeling the pressure of working hard, even when my brother didn't work that hard, didn't have to do the same things as I had to do. And growing up really with the pressure as a woman, as I'm trying to navigate my body image, having the pressure of being either too skinny or too fat, and nothing was good enough either. So the whole concept of not being good enough, using fear, shame, and guilt to fuel me to become the person that I was, you know, in my 20s and 30s, who did I become? I had three jobs for a while. I carried a ton of debt after being in school, not really knowing how to manage my money and just trying to survive. I had like a lot of failed relationships and, you know, not understanding how to be a good partner because I was trying to feel validated by somebody because other places in my life, I didn't feel acknowledged or seen or heard. So, you know, when you feel unworthy, you end up getting into toxic relationships, hoping that that person would give you that thing you actually needed. And, you know, I ended up getting pretty good jobs, moving, moving up the ladder. Um, so that was going on, but I really neglected a lot in my other parts of my life. Like I was gaining tons of weight. I wasn't sleeping. I remember having four to six hours of sleep and living off of cigarettes and grande Americanos, multiple ones a day running. I remember waking up because I had multiple jobs and I'd wake up at six in the morning, like all panicked and wondering where I'm working. I'm like, am I working in my weekday job? Is it, what day is it today? Like, am I, is it the weekend? Scrambling, wondering where I have to go and not knowing. And I remember some nights when I know that I didn't want to go to one of the jobs. I stay up as late as I can just to hold on you know, to that piece of freedom before I go to that place where I feel like my soul is being crushed. And sitting down and talking about this stuff about me and a bit about my story, (laughs) it feels like a lifetime ago, but it wasn't that long ago from now. Hmm. It's funny when you sit down and recall, you know, exactly what you've been through because we're so focused on thinking about the future. Maybe we dwell on the past, but we never really sit down and look how far we've come. And I'm going to thank you. I mean, for this podcast, I had to be able to say this and I haven't been able to reflect on that in a while. So it's been great right now. So in that pursuit, of doing what I had to do. So I bought my condo. I had my jobs. I started a business. Um, You know, I started traveling a bit, but I was working 100 hour work weeks. I was overweight. 
like knocking on 200 pounds overweight and um you know cutting off friends not being able to attend social functions completely isolated i had a i had a partner um in just figuring stuff out and just going on day to day every day just working those 100 hours and then something happened where I would talk to some of my colleagues at work and then they would tell me some news, like either something really super happy, like, oh my God, I'm pregnant, I'm going to have a baby and they're so excited. Or like, I just got engaged, Steph, oh my God. And I'm just robotic, no emotion, no feeling. It's like, oh, hmm, okay, yeah, great. Like, because like, that's how I felt inside. I mean, everybody's good at putting on a face. But deep in, within me, I couldn't feel happy for them. And when it came to things that were sad, it's like, stuff. my dad just passed away. This person, this stuff happened that's sad. I couldn't feel any sympathy for them either. I couldn't feel sadness. It just felt numb. And, you know, another thing that could happen is that I just, when people were doing things that made them happy or were able to do things to take care of themselves and do some self-care or some activities that I enjoyed doing, even my partner at the time, I had this deep, deep resentment. Even if people told me that they're tired, I was so angry. I'm like, you don't fucking know what tired is. But now I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's not their fault. No one owes me anything. I don't need to compare myself to other people and be resentful. But whose voice was that? And I remember growing up, growing up and learning what resentment to other people was. And even having resentment to them when that other person was just living their life. I had to change. I've been following this plan that wasn't even mine, trying to just do the right thing, work and work and work. And like a lot of signs came along. You know, I went to um, my aunt's funeral, my dad's sister, and the first line of the eulogy was like, you know what? She was a hard worker. And I sat there. And I looked to myself at the church, like, I'm like, looking within. God, I don't want someone to say that about me when I die. I want them to say something about me that's more than this job. This job that I complain about every single day. Like, let me put it as jobs (laughs) that I had to complain about every single day. What was I really doing about it? It's been years. So I went to see that if there was a real problem with me, like the numbness, the feeling of not feeling anything. So I went online and I realized that I'm addicted to work. I know, I know, like even with 100 hours and, you know, like on days off, I'd be like, I better be productive today. Otherwise, I could have been working. Like I'd be so angry about that. 
if we, me and my partner weren't doing something like going to groceries, doing stuff, like getting stuff done or, or having an activity, if we're sitting at home all day and just relaxing, I'd get pissed because it's like one, my one day off out of, after like months of not being off and we're spending it watching TV instead of being productive and I could have been working instead. So I found that there was a group called Workaholics Anonymous, similar to AA. Um, I haven't been to an AA meeting other than watching it on TV. So when I went to the place, I went to a meeting in person. And I went in, you know, it was on top of a store, I think, in just a room. And then there were chairs in a circle, just like how it looks like an AA on TV. And I sat down and here I sit down. My arms are crossed. My legs are crossed. I don't know what to expect. And I'm looking around with those, that feeling of resentment already, the filter, the mask. I'd be like, what do they know about working? And people would share their stories and talking about things. It might not even be about a job. It might be an addiction to actively doing something like working or volunteering too much, overextending themselves. And I'm sitting there, hands crossed, arms crossed, and like, what do they know? I have three real jobs. And, <laughs> you know, we do the serenity prayer, we hold hands and, and share these things to tell me I have to buy this, like get this book or something. And I was like, this isn't working for me. Of course, stuff. It's been like 30 plus years of hardwired value based off of hardworking so like hardworking, 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 work harder, work harder, work harder, do more, do more, do more. How could I break that with just coming in and sharing my story and holding hands and saying a prayer? <laughs> so of course I would be like that. I'm also very stubborn. I'm in Aries. So um, it's uh, so I walked out of there, had to figure something out had to figure out what the heck I had to do. And it's going to, it's a bit of a whirlwind of a story, but I've tried to find another career. So that's how it kind of jumped off. I knew there was something wrong with me. I can accept that I was addicted to work, but I was like, maybe if I find another job, I'd have a bit more time freedom, like where I can work from home and do stuff like that. I have, so I was trying to think of, a career and I was trying to order a book around funnels like digital marketing and creating it and I was like okay I'm gonna order this book I'm gonna order this book so I'm like you know you're in bed and you have your iPhone over you and you're just scrolling and looking at the bookstore to order the book I'm like half awake because you already know I'm only sleeping four hours a night and then I order the book and then I go to bed so I'm waiting for this book to come in and I'm like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to practice. I'm going to learn about digital marketing. Maybe this is going to be my ticket to not having to have three jobs. And I ordered the wrong book, completely wrong book. And the thing is, is that when I opened up the book, I was like, what the hell? What the heck is this? And it's funny because I was so... Like, I mean, I just fell into the ads, like Facebook ads. 
so well that I subconsciously ordered the book that I've been seeing ads for the entire time. And it was um, so funny because I was like, no, this wasn't the one I wanted. And it was like High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even take a look at the book. I parked it for a bit. I waited and I was like, okay, well, I ordered the wrong book. So I took it on me on holiday. I went on a trip to go to the Philippines for five weeks and I brought it in there and I was like taking a moment to read it. And I was like, I got to chapter, I think, two. And I talked about a story about a woman named Kate. And she was talking about her looking successful and doing so well. She has a lot of stuff. Um, and everybody wishes that they could have her life. And, but really, when she talked to him, because he's her coach, she was saying that she was barely surviving. She was drowning and no one can see it. And that resonated with me so hard. Gosh, I was like, so this is it. What do I need to do right now with my life and take the reins? So I really had to start that journey to start looking from within. I mean, fast forward, and since that time, I became a certified coach. I started to get into personal development. I run communities online and run events. I have an online course. You know, I did all those things from that mistake of ordering the wrong thing. So if you're skeptical about internet or like social media ads, it did work. <laughs> I can't I can't say that it didn't. Um for me, because I did end up ordering something, even if it wasn't consciously. But in that moment, you can see that the signs are there. The signs to where to go, what to do, how to get there, unfold on its own. I've been nudged and nudged and pointed around. And then it happened without me even thinking where I could be right now where I didn't know the days of the week and seeing my future from that time because I was so stuck to being able to be here now and talking to you. It's such a remarkable journey and really it's not an end of a journey. There's no destination here when it comes to tapping in. I lost connection with myself which is why I couldn't feel. And I'm actually a very empathic person. But years and years of conditioning and programming made me shut that side down. Be shameful for showing emotion. And as a person of color, a person who is Asian, Filipino, we don't talk about feelings. You just got to go and suck it up and move forward. Like, you know, oh, life is so hard. You know, it's kind of a mockery. We're shamed about it because everybody else is sacrificing somewhere else and sacrifice is what's glorified. Oh, that's a good man there. He's working so hard for his family, sending money back home. Oh, she's this and this. That's what it's like. And I lost myself in that. And I know a lot of people doesn't matter if they are Filipino or of Asian descent, a person of color or anything. A lot of people lose themselves chasing after plan A. And even if plan A is there, there's still that feeling inside. You're either numb 
because you've suppressed what you truly are passionate about, who you are as a person from the core. Or, you know, you just choose to stay numb. And that's why plan B is so important. Plan B is is the idea that we can connect with ourselves within and honor ourselves as the person that we always were. Kids are so perfect when they come out, right? And then after, you know, around age 10, 8, 10, 9, 10, they start to absorb all that programming, become fearful, start to make their habits really hardwired to how they'd become as adults. And why can't we get back to age six where we believed that we could do anything? Where we had dreams and aspirations and felt so much emotion that we could express it freely instead of shutting it down, swallowing it. And that's really what it is. It's reconnecting to the true essence of you. Finding who you are. Because you know that you don't know who you are. You know you don't know what you like, but really, if you go back and you witness and you see that little spark of you still there, and um, you can really connect with it. When you get to know me a bit more, and you probably will, I love crying. I love letting the emotions flow through me. And so you may hear at times or watch my videos and you'll see it come. And I want that to be a normal thing for everybody because you know we've been holding on to so many things for so long we're so weighed down by these burdens of things that we don't even need to hold on to we have to hide how we truly feel we have to hide a lot of aspects about ourselves things that we geek out on like you know we're so shameful of things we're so shameful for loving ourselves. And that's what I'm hoping here as we go through this journey to connect with who we are and find our own unique purpose and live our lives the way we want to. You'll be able to feel that again. That little spark that's still within you could be a massive flame. Burning and feeling vibrant and joyful and feeling that sense of love and fulfillment from within. You know, plan B is so important. Because what else do we got? You could have accomplished all these things and still feel empty. But there's some people who are always authentic and true to themselves. And are living their best life. And they don't even have that much stuff. It's always people that are chasing more and more and more and the reason why is because they're going further and further away from them how could you love yourself if you can't even connect with yourself and that's really what it's all about you know we can only live to be a people pleaser for so long if it's about people pleasing and trying to get the validation from our parents they're only around for so long and then when they're gone whose validation are you looking for who are you trying to please are you trying to please them as they've already passed did you take on their 
voices to help put the pressure on you, even when there's no pressure around. And that's the thing, when we are people pleasers, overgivers, we give so much of ourselves, so much. We give whatever people want of us. And we're left with nothing. We're feeling like the only, our only sense of worth and value is what we give to others. Having that sense of feeling of belonging because people like us because something we did uh, for them or, you know. And is that the way you want to live? And as people pleasers, we have our guard down because we just are so wanting to be liked. We get used, abused, taken advantage of, get into toxic relationships where it's horrific. And I can tell you all about that too. People pleasers tend to be empathic too. Wear their heart on their sleeve, they say, a little bit more sensitive, you know. But we just have so much love. And we just want to feel accepted, seen, and heard. But what we really want, like what we really need to do, is to find home within ourselves. And what is that? Feeling that we can validate ourselves, give ourselves love, security, safety, all from within. Because we're searching for it outside and there's a reason why you're not finding it outside. It's because it's within you. And that's what plan B is all about, to reconnect with that spark, grow that spark into that flame. Live yourselves, like your lives, really truly connected with your true essence of who you are and your utmost potential, I guess, if you want to use those personal development terms. But really, the whole idea is to connect within. And I know it's hard because we don't want to face ourselves and it's scary. But that's really what the journey is all about. Because we were born, we're all alone. We come into this world. We're going to die and leave alone. So it's all about how you want to live that way. Feel home from within. Feel a sense of fulfillment, joy, vibrancy from within. Looking at yourself compassionately. Honoring your feelings. Giving yourself some love. And then, you know, live your life the way you want to. And it's about, not about material things. Because you can probably talk to a lot of people. They'll say, oh yeah, my life is so great. I love money. I love spending money. I love buying my things and my toys and my things. But if I sat down and talked to them and asked them, are you truly happy from within? Do you love yourself, not your stuff? What do you think they would say? So I hope that's helped you learn a bit more about me, my story and why I had to realize that plan A wasn't the way for me. Plan B is, is still 
being embraced by me. You know, I, I'm not a guru or a specialist. I, I could say that I'm a teacher, but more like a person who can pass on information very well, curated and presented in a nice way. Because we all know these lessons. Everyone says the same things. It's just about how we present it and how it resonates with you. So with this journey, please take as much or as little as you want. Anything. Just come in with an open mind. Let us grow together. And that's the type of person I am. If you come out with me for dinner, like I said, like I tell everyone, I'm like, just be prepared. We might be getting into a conversation and I might start crying. And then that's okay. You don't have to come and try to see what's wrong or comfort me. You can just be there to hold space and just not be judgmental. And everything's okay. I love the feeling of emotions flowing. I've been holding it on, holding on to them (laughs) for far too long. So how could I feel true bliss and joy and happiness in my life if I can't even feel sadness, pain, and hurt? You still have to learn how to feel and let it flow. And that's really me. Just another student of life trying to learn how to navigate this very challenging world. And lessons keep presenting to themselves. Like It's like the endless cycle of learning. Like Once you feel like you have a handle on something, there's another thing that gets thrown at you. And now that I'm more connected with myself and increasing that connectedness, ready to face them head on. I can figure it out I've been through a lot of shit I figured that shit out and then I'm here so I hope you would enjoy to come and join me on this journey and really learn about other people too about their journeys and how they face some challenges in life head-on how do they thrive and connect with themselves carve their own unique paths you know like we'll go through some of those things, learn a bit of my lived experiences as well. So we'll be having the podcast come out with a longer episode each week and then a mini-sode, like a smaller one that's a little bit more personal, just so that we can go through this journey together. And I'm really excited to embark on this with you and hopefully you would join me on this transformative journey. I invite you to to email me I'll put my email in the show notes where you can make suggestions of topics you'd like to hear you know um, or if you want to talk about something and, and teach me I'm, I'm willing to hear and you know to hear and learn from you and hear about your lived experience as well so I can't wait I'm really excited and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to my story, why it's important for plan B, and then hopefully giving you, it gives you some ideas of the possibilities of you in your life and how looking within to find home and safety from your, within yourself, how that could change your life a bit more. Because it's exhausting chasing after this plan A. I you know, I don't know, don't say it's a midlife crisis or whatever. That's what people say. But it's not about a midlife crisis. It's more like a midlife waking up. 
<laughs> not a midlife crisis, a midlife waking up, but you don't have to be in the middle of your life to wake up because it's not working. Something's not working. You don't have to feel that emptiness inside. You don't have to feel like something is missing because you're already whole. You just don't know. Can't wait to see you again on our next episode. Take care of yourself.